When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 uh, Cameron Crowe film, Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Feels Like Weezer. I'm Condra Boudreau from Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute. I'm Paul Sieski from Planet Earth. Hey, welcome, Earthling. <laughs> what does that mean we are then? If are we also from Planet Earth? <laughs> You guys are honorary guests. Thank you for being here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah. Glad to have you, yes. Um, so this is Minute 16 on here on Monday, uh, beginning of week uh, six. And it starts with Lester trying to get rid of William and ends with Lester warning William about the rock journalism business. So as I was saying, last minute was like the scoping, Lester scoping things out and giving these couple like little tips and tricks things. And there's a little bit here at the beginning of this that's kind of similar, but it really gets into this, him just giving this deep and meaningful, you know, almost, almost well, career advice, you know, big career, big looking at the big picture kind of stuff. It's almost like he's a Yoda. <laughs> definitely someone seasoned in the business and feels yeah. like he has a lot to contribute I, I think it maybe makes him feel good about himself because mm -hmm. he does mm -hmm. have the experience and the wherewithal that he can pass it on to william yeah he, he even says you know or he's, he's talks about people that come up and talk to him or, or like want want to hound him and stuff but we really don't like have any other evidence of that happening besides just William. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so it does almost seem since he, since we have this cut <laughs> during this minute to inside this, this uh, diner, what have you, um, he, you know, it's obvious he didn't truly push him away as much as he really was seemingly trying. <laughs> at, at some point there was some kind of turn that, uh, Let's just let's just go over here anyway and have have, have lunch together. And I'll give you some more tips and tricks. Well, that's something now that you're bringing it up. I'm actually wondering, and I, for as much as I love this movie, I actually haven't done too much background research on. I, I mean, I suppose I have, but was Lester Banks as popular as he kind of puts out to be, or was he? I wonder if he was kind of uh, a little hated by the community or a little loathed mm -hmm. just because he's he's so cynical and self-confident i don't know that could be completely off target right yeah and I'm, I'm certainly i'm not 
old enough myself, even though I'm older than I think both of you <laughs> a little bit, but, um, uh, and I'm certainly not old enough to, to have really ever heard of, I don't think I've ever heard of Lester Banks before this movie, um, myself. I hadn't either. Certainly not at the time because I wasn't even born yet, but, um, but I mean, he, well, he did die in 82, so that was part of my young life <laughs> until he passed away. It seems like a lot of his mention, he, he has some tributes later, like people mentioning him in songs later, and it all seems to be after his death, so. One of those guys, maybe not appreciated in his time, but afterwards. Maybe a little like Philip Seymour Hoffman himself. <laughs> we didn't know what we had. I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case, though, because definitely Philip Seymour Hoffman has been recognized or was recognized during his active years. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I just I feel like there's people who are maybe less tuned in on him. Um, more casual moviegoers are like, oh, boy, you know, he was really good. Um, but yeah, oh, certainly he, he was incredible. My favorite, my favorite thing of his was him and Boogie Nights. Uh, but this is definitely a close second. I like how he's really opening up to William in this scene. He, he, he has that tough exterior, you know, like I said, he, he's very in your face. He's such a loud personality. Then he's, as they're walking up that sidewalk in the previous minute, he's really feeling them out. Uh, and then here he's, he sees something in him and he just wants to impart this knowledge, which I feel like is something he probably doesn't, he wouldn't do with just anybody. I wonder if he's nervous about this bright eyed kid, like we were talking about in the last minute, mm -hmm. William being so forgiving and so open to everyone that he's like, this kid is going to get in a lot of trouble right. very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and he, it, the contrast between the two of them is so funny. Lester's in a red shirt and a leather jacket. And William's just got that frumpy hair and he's in like the pastel yellow. <laughs> and he just, uh, you know, he says, oh, God, there's nothing controversial about you, man. And and that's and that's something I, I kind of took a note on of, you know, the, my question of that, that something controversial, controversial about William would be a good thing for him, for William. And and then it's it's actually what was in a way a little controversial essentially is just his age. Um, that's yeah. what that's what Rolling Stone um, uh, uh, capitalized on is is promoting. Uh, hey, we got this fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Just as as he aged a little bit over the course of a couple of years, of course, um, uh, kid essentially writing for us. You know that they 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 hyped that up and. And got more more magazines, I guess, sold possibly because of that. So was there kind of an element of – so when Cameron Crowe first started writing for them – and again, something I don't know. I feel like I absolutely should know. Maybe you guys do. When Cameron Crowe first started writing for them, was there a secretive element to his to his writing? Did they think he was some you know 30-year-old guy and then Ooh. they discovered along the way that he was a kid and that's when they capitalized on it or was that out in the open from the beginning of his little career yeah i mean well essentially that's so you're, that's a scene that happens here later on that 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 he kind of leads them on to believe 
that he's a good bit older, you know, things just happen that, that work out and, and, you know, allow them, allow the people at Rolling Stone to think that he is a normal age person um, for a journalist. But as far as I know, I'm not aware of that actually being, you know, a, even, even a heightened, you know, kind of more dramatic version of what might have happened. As far as I know, yeah. they were aware, you know, from the get go. Yeah, I would imagine that that seems a little more realistic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at some point, you know, it's, I, I I would have to assume that that someone read, you know, a, a piece of his without knowing his age, but I would hope that kind. Of, I would kind of hope that they were just, you know, aware, you know, that uh, became aware, a little more, a little more uh, normal in a normal fashion of of him probably. <laughs> Maybe admitting it yeah. <laughs> out of fear. Yeah, his age, it's such a – I love the dynamic of the fact that, that his age is the controversial thing about him. That's such a great point. And even even Lester explaining to William, he says, oh, it's going to get messy. They're going to buy you drinks. They're going to offer you drugs. And these are the things – like William, these aren't even on his radar. He doesn't even care about these things mm-hmm. yet. He's probably never done drugs. He's probably had a drink, a sip from his mom's wine glass or something. Yeah. And so Lester's laying this stuff out there like it's – it's uh, he's something he knows. And it's, it's just this world he has no idea about. I definitely equated it to like he so Crow in reality graduated high school at the age of 15 and just having that time in high school to have exposure to drugs, alcohol, what have you, that William is essentially having the same thing where he's been forced through grades quickly, is a lot younger than his peers in school and is not having those experiences so getting thrown into the rock and roll world that's just amplified by 200 that it he's even more at risk. I, w- yeah. I, w- I was just watching earlier this evening, the episode of the office. If you, you, you guys watched some of the office, maybe I've seen totally. that episode. Yeah. So, so there's the episode with someone, I forget who exactly I, I missed that part during this rewatch of, of this one episode, but the, the joint in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so but later on the part that i was watching it's where someone says something about michael he says i don't think michael was even ever offered drugs <laughs> <laughs> because he's so I, I i think the implication is that he just seems so square slash weird so i you know i don't know what else um yeah and, and, and that's and that's the case i think with william here you know because he was accelerated you know, just people, right. you know, the, the, the situations didn't occur for him where that might even happen. But as I think we know from this movie, you know, this he's now going to be in situations where it probably will occur. Is the scene, I, I apologize, I've seen the, yeah. the untitled cut so much more than I have the theatrical cut. Is the scene where they're in the bathroom and the kids make fun of William and tell him he doesn't have pubes. Is that in the... That, that was cut the th- for the theatrical. Oh, that yeah, was cut. This version. Yep. <laughs> and, and he says, oh, man, it's... it's I had him. I just shaved him off. And all the <laughs> older kids are... It just, like, blows their minds <laughs> that he has... He has the, the, the forethought to be like, nah, I'm cooler than pubes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that illustrates his age really well. Again, I think that... I, 
so many people think you know the, the untitled cut is a little it and it is over long but there's so many just little scenes i think that add especially to the characterization of a lot of these people yeah i, I think that's that's one i think when we when we did go over it a, a couple weeks ago or so um that was one that you know i i did i i do think it, you know does serve the film better unlike yeah. from yesterday and so, so speaking of which uh today's you know with 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 roughly essentially 42 minutes extra long of a movie you know it's, it's gonna be there's gonna be something almost every minute probably um is that how much is that how much longer it is yeah mm-hmm. oh oh my gosh i didn't even realize that um so wow. today's is it would have it would have occurred at the very beginning of this minute you know the extension of the goodbyes, you know, where William, William says, okay, let's rebellion's goodbye. William says, yeah, goodbye. And <laughs> then they're standing at a street corner without saying a single word and tend to end this encounter, which seems kind of awkward. Oh, I think it's perfect. And Lester sayings bye again. And William says, bye. And then a little more silence. And then it's William saying really oddly, this is, William says, you need a ride. <laughs> And Lester Bang says, no, man, I took the bus. <laughs> and, you know, you know, let, what is, what is William doing? Offering his mom's car? <laughs> yeah. You want to sit in the back of the station wagon? <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I love the awkwardness of that. I've totally had moments like that in my life, especially in high school. Or like even now, you know, you say goodbye to somebody and then you both end up walking the same direction to your cars. Ugh, I love it. I still don't think that helps my somewhat confusion, though, in the time jump. Is is this a different day? Is no, it the same? I, like, it is the same day. They've got the same clothes. It is the here same. In the diner. But, yeah. But then how did how did they come to the realization that, like... Yes, we're gonna just end up going to this diner together. Like, yeah, right. It just—it was a little, little awkward for me mm-hmm. in terms of a jump. I think it's pretty clear. I, I've always kind of taken. I mean, there's—I I know what you mean. I think I think you could probably. I think other scenes are probably far more guilty of it. I thought this one was was fairly clear. Them kind of standing there and then going to grab something to eat. Because um, Philip Seymour Hoffman totally, you know, he bought in. He's like, you know what? I, this kid's got something. I could tell him something. Teach him a thing or two. I like how they're the only ones in the diner, too. There's not even, like, a waitress. I think there's maybe a a coffee pot or something steaming in the background, but when we hear a little, a very, very slight clanking, like, like something like, you know, a bus boy maybe picking up oh, or someone was, okay. was off, off camera, possibly getting, getting some dishes put away, but. And it's kind of that golden hour, you know, this it's yeah. early evening and the sun's kind of coming through. I don't know. I just, I love it. It's, it's uh, like I said, I said in the previous minute last week, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this movie for not a long time, eight or nine minutes, and his scenes just stick out so much. He just commands the scenes. And Patrick Fugit does, he holds up, he stands right next to him and does just as great a job. Once he started taking notes, I had another one of those, oh my gosh, you're so small and precious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and he even has this really weird little, little, uh, 
thing he just barely gets out of his mouth. Is it okay if I, you know, and it's, and it's, you know, there's no real emotion or, 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 or anything said by Lester. Maybe there's some kind of emotion we don't see on camera that wouldn't indicate, oh yeah, go ahead. Right. You know, a little bit of a wave hand. I mean, certainly Lester is certainly waving his hand a, a bit while he's talking here, but, <laughs> but yeah, he, he's, he's very, even more childish in a sense in some of the things that he's doing here. Right. And even the childishness to what Lester Bangs is telling him about. It's yeah, the fake right. friends. It's it's like, don't do drugs, kid. Like, he's mm-hmm. hearing it from his mother, too, but there's a even more sense of innocence when it's some complete stranger saying, you know what? You seem like you're very soft and very pure, and you're about to get your face wiped on a floor. Well, and you you take it more seriously from Lester because he's he's of that world. He's he's telling him from experience. He's the master Yoda, kind of imparting knowledge on a a young naive like Luke Skywalker, you know. And it, and then and then you watch the rest of this movie, and you're you're you remember those lessons that that he was you know trying to impart on him, and you see that he was right. These guys, yeah you know, acting like he's their friend and buying him drinks and stuff. And it's like, wow, Lester sat down with him for 10 minutes in a diner and he, he paved, he previewed the whole movie for us. <laughs> well, that's so, so that's the one little crack in William. I mean, he, he is holding a pretty straight face throughout most of this, but it's when Lester says, meet girls, you know, he, he says, have a drink or they'll, they'll buy you drinks. But then the meat girls part, and that's when he cracks. So I, I, I think you know <laughs> that that more so than the other stuff, you know, the drugs as well. The the girls part is is the more social of of them, uh, and that's that that's that's one of the things he's kind of yearning for, I think. Oh yeah, have some have some uh, real connections with people. Um, there I is just, one of the. I... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I just love, I, again, I love how this is, his innocence shows so much here. and It reminds me so much of kind of when I was in high school. It's just this movie is such a warm blanket. And knowing the journey this kid goes on is, is I love it. And seeing these scenes, these early scenes are, are really fun. Um, So the whole last minute, we didn't have any music in it. This one, we have just a barely little bit of uh Todd Rundgren's it wouldn't have made any difference. Um and I actually even in my notes before looking back and seeing double checking what the song was um just 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 by memory of having watched a lot of these minutes over and over again over the past few months um I even put down the wrong artist at first. <laughs> I put down Jackson <laughs> Brown at first. Um, and, and, and those, those two artists in my mind, I, I have so little knowledge of them. Um, and I can kind of, uh, uh, equate them or mix them up between the two. Yeah, I can see that. And he takes on between for, for you, Kondra, of Todd Rundgren. That I'm, song, trying to, I'm trying to remember. Well, I, first of all, I, sorry if my laughing over, um, oh. just the, like the dramatic irony to it wouldn't have mattered um because at at the end of the day it doesn't for him i'm trying to remember i think i've seen todd rudgren live before um 
when he toured with Ringo. Um, okay. Ringo Starr wow. and his all-star band. Uh-huh. I think I saw him for that tour. Um, I've, I, I've seen a lot of, I, I've been to a lot of concerts and I work at a couple concert venues. So I see a lot of people and I'm pretty sure I've seen Todd Rundgren. Um, but I don't, I can't, none of his songs like come to mind that I'd be like, yes, I've seen that live before. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I have very little familiarity with him. Um, the song that always pops in my head when, when I think of him is the, uh, I don't know if that's the title, but Bang on this Drum All Day. That's okay. kind of his. Right, yeah. Oh, like then a, yes, bang, I have seen bang, him live. Bang the Drum All Day. Bang the Drum All Day. That's the that's always the song. Oh. I hear. I see his name, and that's the song I think of. And um, Not much else. I'm sorry to say. I'm sure he's a great artist, but I've never delved deep into him. He did Hello, It's Me. Yeah, that's the one I was just looking at that kind of rec- oh. I recognize the most besides Bang the Drum All Day. Yeah, I know that one. Um, and then, out of his production credits, the out of you know some uh, a pretty nice variety of different bands <laughs> from all the way from seventy one to eighty six. There's just there's just notable production qu- credits: uh, Badfinger, um, mm. Grand Funk Railroad, uh, New York oh, Dolls, yeah. Meatloaf, and XTC. Yes. XTC is <laughs> kind of out of that group is is my go to, yes. and, and it's their Skylarking album as well that he apparently produced interesting wow i did not know that i've listened to so i've listened to this soundtrack so much um it's it's just one of those things that's i've had i've had on repeat for years and i i almost some of the 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 artists on it i almost almost know it just exclusively just for the soundtrack mm-hmm. um like todd rundgren and stuff but for a very long time, I was seeking out the Nancy Wilson um, kind of background guitar yeah. mm-hmm. score that she did. And it was so hard to find back in the days of Napster and LimeWire and stuff. You just I, I tried to look everywhere I could for it because um, I love so much of the little things that she would do in between songs and in between scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could not find it. And it wasn't up until maybe a year or two ago that I think Cameron tweeted out a bunch of links to some of the cut stuff from, from her, her soundtrack. And I was so happy to find most of my favorite stuff on there. In my, just looking up Todd Rundgren, I just discovered he has two honorary doctorates. Oh, wow. Wow. From Berkeley and DePaul university. So, you know, he can bang on the drums all day and have an honorary doctorate. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Two. <laughs> well, is there uh, anything else uh, for you, Paul? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think we kind of captured it all. I'm just having this, and I know we've already talked about it a bit, but he's trying to sell him to be cautious and careful but he's listing all of these things that would be considered perks (laughs) and it's like you're not doing your job (laughs) trying to scare him off if you're like you're gonna get free free cds or free records and like you're gonna get to travel with these folks and they're gonna buy you alcohol and you're gonna meet girls and all these things and it's like dude you're literally just telling him all the things he really desperately wants and you're not doing a good job dissuading him I mean, I mean, it's it's there in the script, but these people are not your friends. But 
Lester Bangs himself. I mean, Philip Morris Hoffman's, you know, take on Lester Bangs telling, but these people are not your friends could have been so much more forceful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just there. It's not, it's like, you know, they file this away because yes, it's all going to come back. Mm-hmm. And he even says, when he says, you'll never, you won't even get, you won't get paid much as it's, as if it's a negative, but to William who's probably never had a real job. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to get paid something plus yeah, all right. this other stuff. Yeah, he's getting these this thirty. Well, it's it's next minute when uh, when Lester offers him, I think thirty bucks for the a thousand words on Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. man, thirty thirty five bucks. <laughs> if I could get paid for writing a thousand words, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, anything else, Conjure? That's all I had, Paul. What? <laughs> Is is there anything at all that you want to you know kind of highlight some some kind of um, I mean you, you could even do your history with the movie more so maybe would be the nice sure thing. yeah absolutely you, you um, really have a plug <laughs> yeah no I mean I could plug some other movie podcasts that I like but that's about it no I my history with this movie is I I did not see it in theaters when it first came out regrettably. I remember my, I think my parents went to go see it and they came back just raving uh, because this was, you know, this was like their era. They were born in the 50s. So they were teenagers and in college and stuff, high school, college around this time. And they came back to say, oh, it's the best. And I didn't, honestly, I don't think I saw it until it came out on, on DVD when DVD was first a thing. And the first time I saw it, I was just enraptured by it. It became one of my favorite movies ever. I have a constantly kind of rotating top 20 films. I can't, I can never narrow it down to 10, but I always have like a top 20 of all time that are just my favorite movies. And this one has consistently since I've seen it, never left my top five. I just, I love, I love this movie. And like I said earlier, it's like a warm blanket to me. If there's nothing else to watch, my wife and I aren't watching the the office on Netflix or something. She'll be like, Hey, just want to throw on a almost famous and crack a beer. I'll be like, you know it. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, I, I love it. It's this movie is very near and dear to my heart. My heart, and it's, it has been for the last nineteen, twenty years. Very cool. Um, okay, so uh, Conjure, what what would you like to plug? I mean, you got uh, fan, Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute. Yes. So tell us, bro- tell us more about it. My brother and I co-host Fantastic Mr. Fox Minute, which is. Um, movies by minute, just like this one, um, about Wes Anderson's 2009 Fantastic Mr. Fox. It's stop motion, but it's got a, a fantastic cast, and um, we get into some fun psychological debates. We get really deep sometimes. I had an existential crisis on one episode. <laughs> that was fun. Um, we only released Which one minute. minute- was that? Um, it was pretty early on, too, because Fox was having an existential crisis, so I started having one. It was a time. Um, I was also very stressed in college. It was it was a thing. Um, I think we called the minute existential crisis, so I want to say it was around 13 or 15, right, right in the beginning. We only release one episode a week, so there's plenty to catch up on. Um, we are actually going to be wrapping up 
in 17 weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> we're getting there. Left. Yep. We're getting there. When did you start the podcast? Do you know? Um, so, oh, it's a story. We, um, we started in July of 2016. Oh my gosh. And we started on SoundCloud only. We very quickly realized we couldn't release them on SoundCloud. So in February of last year, two years ago now, mm, we started releasing them on Apple Podcast and then Google Play. And we finally just got up on Spotify and Stitcher like a month ago because I finally got my act together and got us on those last ones. But... Um, in all honesty, yeah, we have not been, we, we've been doing it longer than we've, than the numbers look. So. <laughs> well, very cool. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a pretty crazy project to, to take on, uh, for Watchmen. I mean, we, we even had a, we had a five month hiatus <laughs> a little after the middle, like two thirds of the way through almost, um. Because uh, my because my co-host he 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 and his wife they bought a house. <laughs> so, oh gosh! And and we were a little under the gun as that that last month before that hiatus. So we were like, okay, this will give us. You know, we didn't know how long that it would be. It would give us some. We you know we we'd bank up some episodes again. You know, and of course we didn't do that as well as we probably would have liked. But uh, we did it enough so that way we didn't have to take another break. At least you know we didn't. No other, no other kind of issues popped up for either of us, thankfully. But uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, a really neat thing I think to do um, this kind of a deep dive into these uh, movies. Yeah, I commend you guys. I do I, doing this stuff minute by minute is daunting. <laughs> honestly, I mean i I love those. I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. I love this movie, but cutting it apart minute by minute and, and deep diving is it's uh it's an undertaking. And you did it with Watchmen. That's it's pretty yeah. wild. The, the director's cut, 186 oh, minutes. Oof. Yeah, that's the one. That's Good. the one with the the pirate inner no, cut. No, no, that's the ultimate cut. That would be like oh, like twenty five ish minutes longer. I think twenty twenty five. Wow. Half hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. under you guys, I, yeah, both of you are mad respect. <laughs> I honestly have grown fonder of fantastic like it has been my favorite movie for years and years and years and doing it it just has strengthened and affirmed my love for it i feel like it'd be one of the two extremes right you'd either love it more or you'd really come to loathe it (laughs) yeah i don't know if you if you guys have heard of the the worst idea of all time podcast where they watch the same movie for every week for a year that sounds familiar yeah yeah i think the first movie they watched was uh grown up two and like the first two first two three four weeks they're like oh this is fine we can do this and by, by like the the 30th 40th episode they're just so miserable watching this stupid movie <laughs> there's one guy that's in the movies by minutes community he did that for groundhog's day yes um and, Ooh, and there was like a Groundhog, it or hate it and there, uh, I, i'm not aware of yeah <laughs> um he but, did enjoy it i've yeah. worked with him on a couple okay projects. right yeah cool you know, and, and he he certainly was a resource and a guest on the Groundhog Minute that then did, you know, it in this style versus a watching every day the whole movie. <laughs> it was a yeah, movie by minute for Groundhog Minute, Groundhog Day. Oof. Um, but yeah, but for Watchmen, for me, it, it, it grew my. I think I, I think it grew my appreciation for it. And uh, but but yeah, there there are the people that have said 
you know, having done, you know, even just halfway through a movie and they're like, they're like, you know, you know, say it's a couple of hosts and, and one of the two are, are kind of <laughs> getting, getting, uh, a little, uh, bugged out by, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that their love for the movie is, is, was dwindling and so forth. Uh. Yeah. Well, this has been a great couple of days, um, Monday and, or Friday and today, Monday. Um, and you know, I'm pretty sure we'll have uh, both of you back on later on at different times, I believe though. Um, but, uh, you never know, we could have a little mini reunion or something as well. Um, so thanks so much for both of you, uh, uh, Paul and Condra. Thank you. And yeah. Thanks, okay. Eric. And, uh, so today was uh Monday with minute 16 Wednesday will be minute 17 with should be a couple of different other, other, uh, guests. Until then, it's all happening. Oh, it's all, it's all happening. happening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it on the reunion show, you guys. I am a golden god. Hey, it's Marcus in the Darkest. And Ray Coob here. The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is a podcast for the lover of rock and roll. Like many of the other Pantheon podcasts, we take a unique look at the entire rock and roll timeline in a non-traditional fashion. We look at events, we look at movements, moments, albums, tragedy, celebrations, and more. These are what make rock and roll rock and roll. And it's why the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll is a juggernaut waiting for exploration and discussion. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.